OK Video. Thanks for joining us. I'm Nathan Rohr, and I miss the video store days. That job was centered on something I've loved since I was a kid, movies and getting to talk about them. But the world changed, and the brick-and-mortar stores became IHOPs and weird little grocery stores. <laughs> so we had to start this podcast in order to bring some of our fondness for old movies back into the light. I'm joined, as always, by my friend, Ryan McCullough. Hey there, Nathan. Ryan Ryan here. Uh, yeah, brick-and-mortar IHOP. I worked at the IHOP blockbuster. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan here. A super Nicolas Cage fan to the point where I was just telling Nathan about I make videos online and I always try to insert a Nicolas Cage reference to every video I make. But that's just one part of the long resume I have. I own every movie we're watching this season and probably every future season. So happy to say I've watched every single movie in Nick Cage's filmography. But you've definitely kept kept up. Like I was going through my DVDs and found some like cast offs you gave me, like Pay the Ghost or yes. something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh right, I guess I should watch this. Uh, but yes, we are looking at his filmography, uh, Nicholas Cage. Um, this week we're looking at a film he still maintains is like his favorite. Yeah, twenty uh, twenty eighteen, right? Like he just said, like this is still my favorite movie. There was a GQ interview that that he was like, yeah, Vampire's Kiss. Uh, it was written by the guy who did After Hours, which came up briefly last last question session we yes. had, yep. uh, Joseph Minion. Uh, it was directed without union support by a newcomer, Robert Bierman, uh, and he allowed his leading star to bestow one of the unique performances of all time onto the screen. <laughs> yeah, so, 100%. Uh, it was released June 2nd, 1989, which was like a year later than I thought. I, I kind of thought this came out earlier than it did, but it was... Cr- finished in 88 yeah and just sat I, for imdb six months listed as an 88 movie i think yeah and the end like uh copyright said 88 and i was like oh what but yeah it cost two million and it made seven hundred twenty-five thousand. even in writing this up i was like seven hundred fifty thousand. it's like no you gave it more money than it made <laughs> <laughs> like it did not uh set the world on fire but it since became a cult hit and is loved for many reasons, but I'll I'll just run us through the the summary I wrote up for it, and then we can get into talking about it. Publishing, not a job for the faint of heart. Alva Restrepo wasn't prepared for this though. Her boss Peter Lowe is flying off the handle over and over again at work, and no one seems to care. It's gotten to the point where she doesn't even want to go into the office anymore. It just isn't worth the constant verbal abuse over a stupid misfiled contract lost somewhere in the archives. Upon finally finding it, she is physically attacked by Peter, who then takes her gun and fires it twice into his mouth. Unharmed, he is now convinced of what he suspected long before. He is a vampire. Nosferatu, a creature of the night. And he must feed, for he was touched by the vampire's kiss. Those bullets were blanks, though, and he's just off his mind. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's the joy of this movie. That is the joy of this movie. Like, you honestly, like, as I was listening, I was like, Nathan, yes, yes, we did watch that movie, but you're missing a very key detail to every single fact that you just said. Yeah. So. Is, uh, this is happening in Peter's mind. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. remarkably so. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> remarkably so. Okay. Hey, let's, you, let's get into this. I. Yeah. I mean, what what does this start with? Like, he's in therapy. Yep. Like, he's kind of going through some stuff already well, at I think the outset that, of the movie. Yeah. I don't know what they're trying to do here, and I was trying to figure that out. The first thing that kind of, yeah, the first thing you kind of see with Peter, it's not very long before he has weird encounters that kind of start shaking his psyche. 
Yeah. But, like, the first interactions we have of him is picking up a girl at a club um, and then his therapy office. And I'm like, okay, so are they trying to say, like, are they trying to normalize therapy in this movie? Or are they trying to show you that Peter is already problematic because he's in therapy? Like, there's already problems. In the 80s, it probably still would have been, like, oh, you're in therapy? Like, a little less common, uh, I would think. So... He, yeah, I guess it's sort of establishing that he's already on thin ice, maybe. Yes, and with then, his psyche. Yeah, for sure. Then the bat attack happens. Yeah, the bat attack. And <laughs> the bat attack, which pushes is like, things over. Like, oh, man. Oh, geez. Okay, I don't even know how we start. What do we get It's into? been some years since I'd seen it. So, like, I, I was kind of like, when does this happen? Like, does he get bit by the bat? Like, I was mm-hmm. really paying attention to this bat. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, uh, he's there with this girl he met at a club, Jackie. And there's like a kid spying on them in the hallway, which I forgot about. Yep. Like, there's just some weird stuff there. There's mimes. But then mimes outside. More, there's more, mimes, more my like pantomime fighting yeah. outside just to get ready for where some of this goes. Show? Yeah, I know. It's pretty amazing. Uh, but yeah, I was really paying attention to this bat. And I was like, did either of them get bit? Did Jackie get bit or something? It's just like, no, he just kind of does this like running away <laughs> from his apartment. And then they just leave for the night, and he comes back and shakes his curtains a little bit, but the bat there. is gone. Yeah. The, but then the, it starts this idea in his head, right? That this right, bat that he was, was like excited by this bat attack, yeah. like sexually it, or whatever. Yeah. And like it's, I think it starts this idea of like, what if this bat wasn't just a bat, but rather like, you know, a vampire that's spying on him, and so then he gets, he goes to the club the next night, um, after talking to his therapist and telling her that he gets, yeah, sexually aroused. Like, even though he was in the throes of passion at this point, his therapist is like, yeah, you were just making out with a good-looking girl. Of course you're passionate. He's like, no, like, I got up and I started fighting this bat, and then I got and turned then on. then I was excited. Like, there was and a then, come down, and then it went way up yeah. when this bat was there. And, and then like, he okay. kind of glosses over that in the next session. He's like, what? No, it's probably just because there was a girl there. And it's like, that's not what you said. Okay, yeah. whatever. But, like, uh, <laughs> but in between that, those two sessions, he goes back to the bar and in two blink and you'll miss it cameos do you see them is this mark coppola like who's in this one no it was david hyde pierce oh he really? was sitting at the end of the bar remember like there's that big shot of him coming the camera coming there's down the bar there's a lot of people in these clubs yeah yeah but it's coming down the bar and he's and then at the end of it he's talking to two of his friends mm. the guy at the very end of the bar who's just kind of the voice we hear over the crowd talking to this girl about some theater thing that's david yeah. hyde pierce Oh man! And then we come now, to the now. I like to think that's the same character from Wolf, and these are like interconnected. Oh yeah, the publishing thing. Type of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Okay, then we come down to the end of the bar, and Nick is talking to two of his buddies, and one is John Michael Higgins, who is like the dude from like Best in Show, Mighty Wind, Pitch Perfect. Like mm-hmm. he's this guy. I'll show you a picture of him. You'll recognize him once you see who he is. Okay. That's one of the guys <laughs> he's talking to. Yeah, so weird. No, I spaced on all these New York cameos, I guess. But anyways, but, then uh, we he turns around and he meets this gorgeous woman, Jennifer Beals. Yeah. They they flirt for a little bit, and then we cut to his apartment. They're in the throes of passion, and she dramatically turns into a vampire and starts sucking his him. blood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then which which is did like even I, that happen? No, like, no. Like that's the thing. Like we wake up in the morning. And like we wake up in the morning, <laughs> we wake up in the morning, and he's singing in his kitchen, and it's great. Yeah. But then he goes into the bedroom, like talking about his coffee, and holds up a saucer and and cup, 
and to this offering empty it to space her. on his bed and his hand just starts shaking. But he's offering this to her because so she clearly didn't come home with him that night. Right, right. Or she didn't, she left. Or she disappeared. Yeah. But Yeah. But no, because he's not a real vampire. He's not a real vampire. <laughs> Which this movie makes like pretty expressly clear. Do you kind of wish they played it a little more cool? No, because then we couldn't okay. have gotten that mirror the mirror scene. The mirror scene's really good. Uh, <laughs> so okay, I also so like, love the like teeth purchasing scene yes. is really good because yeah. it's just like, all right, these ones are really great, like makeup quality, like twenty bucks. Oh, I only have like five dollars. Okay, there. Here's the worst ones we have. Three ninety five. <laughs> like, right. fairness, I like to think that this movie, it was like Nick was gonna be offered to buy the like get the fancy ones to get real things, and he's like, No, you know what would be better? If we got the kid version. Like the cheapest plastic yeah. teeth you can buy. Because yeah. to be fair, the next morning when he wakes up out of his coffin and he has them in his mouth, it's amazing. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, he kept them in all night. So okay, right oh. off the bat, we can tell something's off about Peter. We can kind of tell Peter's not a good guy right off the bat. Like, there's something off about him even before he gets into this bite because he has this, like, weird, mean obsession with one of the uh, admin staff at his publishing house who he just, like, even before he starts kind of, like, really, really spiraling, he really just does not treat her with an ounce of respect. Yeah. Like, he there's calls it, like, a pretty early scene where, like, uh, he, he keeps asking her to find, like, some of this stuff hit harder for me now because I actually worked in an office for the last seven years. So, like, filing and misfiling is just part of my day. Yeah. But it was, like, all right, you got to dig through this entire, like, newspaper files to find this contract with this one author that we have on From contract. 1963. And it's, like, yeah. 1989. Like, it's just this, like, dumb task. And he gets a phone call with, like, the person that is, like, managing the account or whatever and it's just this duplicitous moment where everything the guys say on the phone is like this is like a super low priority don't even worry about it i'm gonna go golfing this weekend no timeline on this and what he's saying to her is like he was so mad like yeah. he's gonna but even like that's still when this. he's that's still when he's turning because he's wearing some like that's like when oh, he's does he have to the turn. bandage already yeah and okay. the, the first scene he's just like like clearly not cool with people he considers beneath him and i think that's uh, exemplified by nick cage's choice with his voice throughout this movie oh yeah he has this like but he goes back and forth voice yes he has yeah. this voice that he does and it's like almost he chooses to do the voice in different scenarios when he's trying to impress somebody he puts on this like really pompous faux british but not quite full british accent yeah. and it's so perfect like it's so absolutely perfect but, like, he then turns it off in other situations where he's with equals or doesn't care or when he's, like, yeah. So, like, when he's yeah, talking to her, he's, like, maxing out this accent. But when he's mm. talking to his therapist, he's, like, a lesser version of it sometimes. Or he's talking to his girlfriends is a lesser version of it. Right. So, anyways, no, his, this accent's his amazing. His voice, vocal stuff in this, yeah, is, is pretty interesting. It's not, like, where's this accent from? It's just, like, no, it's more, like, an attitude or, like... Yes, uh, pretense or something that he puts on well, he tries, when he's he, trying to talk down to somebody or like be impressive yeah. in some way. But it's yeah. so it's such a perfect choice because it's like what would a like not impressive person what would they sound like? And Nick Cage per the perfect like it's nasally it's a little too like it's a little too much but mm -hmm. like and it just it just adds to the cartoon that is Nick Cage in this movie filled with other people that don't this movie isn't cartoony. When you like take away Nick Cage from this film, 
This script yeah. is like really dark. Like kind of the only performance I thought was at least in a zany camp was uh, Jennifer Beals as mm-hmm. Rachel. Yes. Like when she's the vampirist version or whatever, like yeah. the few fantasy scenes. Well, because she, that's all- she's at least pretty co- like kooky or whatever. She, like there's something weird there. She almost only acts in isolation with Nick Cage when Nick Cage is acting crazy. Because right. in all like those they're scenes, alone he's... being crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah, and all those scenes together, he's like weirdly cross-eyed and like googly-eyed while they're doing stuff. <laughs> so it's like, what energy does Jennifer Beals have to play off of? Well, it's Nick Cage full tilt crazy, and like just have weird teeth and yeah. whatever. Like, but then yeah. you go to like <laughs> yeah. when you go to his uh the assistants, um, Alva. Yeah, Alva. she is so grounded. Like it, it's like she's just actually terrified by this dude. To be fair, and like is g- very genuine. Which yeah. is like in in real life, she's like a little bit of the grounding that this movie needs because if she also went crazy, this whole thing would have been like I think a lost experiment. Yeah, it's kind of like Wicker Man, where like I think Wicker Man's actually a genius film because of Nick Cage. Despite everybody else thinking it's a straightforward film, Nick Cage shows up and he's like the only one that's overacting and therefore right. makes it like great. Right. It was some it was just like this phrasing I was trying to find, but it was like how like sturdy and like uh grounded her performance is lets Nick bounce higher. Yes. Cause he it's like, no, real reality is here and this guy is off the wall. Yes. Like in the movie as well. And there's some of that with even like his boardroom dudes or whatever <laughs> at the publishing yep. house. Like there's a scene where he jumps up on a desk and is like chasing her around, and then later they're like, "Dude, that was crazy! You were jumping around. What was that? You're, you but like, should give her a raise." Like there was. In like, all fairness, I still joshing. got that sense of like bro politics in office politics. We're like, oh yeah, like the rest of those three guys were very much like the sitting back, being like, "Oh, these foolish women think that they run things." Blah blah blah. We know you better. Showed them. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Nick Cage is like terrible. again putting it to ten the whole time. Like he is. He's finding the 11 every now and again, too. Uh, mm-hmm. The Yeah, so I found her performance um, of Elva. Like, when you look at the movie, sh- like, purely through her eyes, this is, like, a very scary horror film, like, for, for a lot of women. Like, I was thinking about this movie being watched in isolation today, almost without Nick Cage in it. Like, Nick Cage kind of makes it a fun film. But when you, like, think about this movie from the flip side, this is a terrifying movie for her. Like, she oh, is... Yeah yeah terrified like he is incredibly abusive boss and just like ter- like just even even little stuff like him just like looming over her shoulder oh, while yeah. she's digging through the files it's yeah. like i've had that with and just sunglasses like, um, excuse on. me can you go away i'm working yeah like, but with sunglasses and you have the fortune of being a man she has the fortune of being she has the misfortune of being a woman in the 80s in an office setting in this big new york office yeah yeah it's it's rough and like it, it even escalates to the point where like uh when he's at full-blown like crazy he does like he rapes her, like he attempts tempted rapes rapes her, and yeah, then that's yeah. when he like tries to shoot himself, and like clearly at the end of the movie we're sympathizing with him because he's like ready to die, like he he doesn't want to live anymore. He's, he's, yeah, and yeah. he's trying to push her to the limit. But when you look at the movie f- purely through her eyes in those moments, she's like pure terrified. Like she mm-hmm. is like, I there's this guy. I have a gun who only blanks in it. I can't defend myself. And, like, he is duplicitous so many times to her. Like, he literally – she calls him sick after one really terrible day where – the day where he chases her like through the hallways. Like, she stayed until 1 in the morning yeah. looking for this file. And she's like, I'm not going in tomorrow. Yeah. This is this is trash. So, the next day yeah. he comes in and she's not – no, 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 no. That's not the, that's not the day because the one day in the Oh, morning you're not saying that, the phone in sick day? The phone in sick day. But he, the one, one, one in the morning days where she actually found the contract later on. Oh, 
There's that, but I also I kind of just want to highlight like how screwed up it would be if your boss showed up at your house on a day. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, sick. so the phone in sick day yeah. was after yeah. the him chasing her through the hallways day. She oh, like the jump the next... up on the desk yes. thing. Yeah, yeah. So he chases her, and then the next day he calls in sick. He tracks down her information through his powers he has in the office, and mm-hmm. then he goes to her house, and he's all like. Hey, I want to apologize. I was so out of line I brought yesterday. Some chicken soup. I brought some yeah. chicken soup in this sack. He brought this sack like of this chicken soup. Like this packet of powder or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. And uh, she believes him. And they get in the car and they go back. And in, in the taxi ride, he completely flips again. And like, it's like. Well, you... it's just it's just like, so today you're going to find that file. And it's like, what? I thought you said you didn't care about it. And then it's just like, well, that doesn't mean we're not going to do a good job, though, does it? Or whatever. Like, he just kind of immediately yeah. starts being horrible. And the cab driver doesn't even, like, it's just oh. like, all right. It's I'm cab driver. But I feel bad here. for cab drivers because they just have to, like, listen and witness all this the worst drama of in their backseat. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so th- yeah. Then she pulls over at the gas station her brother works at and gets bullets for the gun, but he only has blanks. And yeah. it's like, all right, well, it's better than nothing, I guess. But, like, <laughs> and, like Nick Cage is full, like, when she eventually does pull the gun on him, he wants to be shot by her. And yeah. she can't shoot him. And she's so terrified she of She can't it. even shoot blanks at him, yeah. yeah. She's just like, no, what? Like, she shoots up, down. Not the floor, Alva, me! Ah. So I just yeah. found, like, all the times I've seen this movie, I've always focused purely on Nick Cage. And this is the first time where I really kind of sat back and I wanted to, like, experience the movie through her eyes. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, the movie is not trying to tell a big morality play about gender in the in workplace. Unless yeah. that's what the original writer was trying to do. But it sounds like in the writing process, that's not what he's trying to do. He's talking about an abusive relationship uh, when he was writing the script. But, like, yeah, that was a, a piece of, like, it's yeah. hard for you to overlook. And luckily, Working Girl came out around this time. That addresses yeah. a lot of the same things for women in the office. No, I thought I thought it was neat because like most of the supporting characters in this are women. Mm-hmm. Like it's him interacting with women in various ways. Yes. And and yeah, there was definitely much more sympathy with Alva for me this time. Like from just an office worker perspective, but also just the new conversations about like abusive power and all this kind of stuff. Like it it was like more present to me yeah. this time. And yeah, it it there, I'm not. I don't know how rich it is, but there was something too about just like that urban isolationism. Like one person's experiencing this horrible abusive relationship and nobody does anything, and this other person is like losing their mind and it, very publicly, and nothing happens. Like there's no one to. He literally in runs around it. the street with a stake, saying, yelling and like, "I'm a Please vampire! I'm a vampire! Like... I'm a vampire!" And everyone just is like. But we're also in New York City. Like New York City is. <laughs> you almost have to see New York City as a character in this movie because, like. Like, just this impassive, like, uncaring environment. Yes. Like, he yeah. literally, he, okay, so at the peak of his, like, crazy, after he gets the plastic teeth, he goes to a club, he kills a girl, sucks her blood, like, like kills her, like, bites into her neck, sucks out her blood, she dies, and he's yeah. walking around the club covered in blood and nobody does anything until he starts almost vomiting and then people are scared of him and, and run away. Like, Ugh. oh yeah, like he goes into like some VIP room and then like kind of wretches and they're like, all right, let's get away from this weirdo. Yeah. Like that's their concern, not like blood covered guy. Which is, in all fairness, like blood. Like I really appreciated this piece because if you drank that much blood, you would be like so physically Sick. ill. And the fact yeah. that he is just like running around physically ill and pale. Yeah, I, I guess this is also like the one scene with Rachel that's a little like surreal, maybe because like she comes in and he she's at this club but then she's really at that club yeah yeah so okay you know? so the, the way the way you got to see it at that point 
when he meets her in the club in the first scene, he yeah. sits down next to her. That's a real human being. He yeah, jokes around with that person. human. And then there's oh, a like hard your earrings cut. and stuff. That happens. Yeah. yeah. Then there's a hard cut to where they're in bed making love. And that never happened. That never happened forward. As evidenced by the coffee thing. Yes. Yeah. And then later in the movie when he actually runs into her grin, she's like, yeah, you're Peter, Peter, right? And yeah. it's because she isn't. But like she, we know this for a fact because there's literally a scene like 20 minutes earlier where he walks into the boys, the men's, men's bathroom at his work and he looks in front of a mirror and he starts losing his mind because he can't <gasps> see his own reflection anymore. Where am I? But the uh, camera is there to see that he has a reflection. Like he has yeah. a reflection. They don't even try to pull any sort of special effect. It's just, no, this is in his mind. Yeah. So yeah. Like, clearly like Jessica Biel's not like a vampire. He's just like made that up. Like very mm-hmm. clearly. Um, yeah. Okay, I, I want to go back to Alva just really quick. Do you do you remember Alva from other movies? Uh, well, I read through her list, and like the big one that jumped out was The Running Man. Yeah, like she teams up with Arnold Schwarzenegger in that movie. She's, so when like, I was a also kid, in the game, yeah, Alva was like had the misfortune. I didn't like Alva as a kid because I found her to be like really like the soul sucker of the movies that oh, she was Maria in. Conchita Alonso in yeah. that movie. Yeah, I guess she's sort of the like wet blanket in that yeah movie. like she's the one that's like she's the one that gets them caught when they're like on the run like when mm. arnold like runs into her she's the one that freaks out in public that gets them in trouble that gets them sent into the game put into the game yeah, yeah that's right and then when she's he's just, just a fugitive running around screaming the whole time and then for me the big one that was for me though was predator 2 she's in predator 2 okay and she has like uh some really great stuff in predator 2 i really i really like predator 2 like Maybe, maybe more than the first, but it's hard to say. I know. I, I've been uh, working on some future batches and have some ideas for Predator 2. So we'll, we'll see if we can fix it, <laughs> fit, fit it in, because uh, I want to look at it again. It's been some years. But uh, yeah, that, that, that's the main roles where I know her from. Her more recent stuff, I, I have. Oh, no, really that's like the only two up. things I know her from aside from this. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Nick really like steals this movie away. Like he, right? Th- th- we should probably talk about like the main scene. We touched on it briefly where he has the sunglasses. I totally forgot the scene with the like you don't say meme face. Yes, started with this great sunglasses bit because yeah. it gets like overshadowed two minutes later. But he, it starts great where he's like in these big boxy sunglasses eating pistachios yeah. and like swivels around in his chair like a villain, like a Bond villain or something. He's just like, ah, you're going to find the file. Like he's just being like super maniacal. But then when she's like, what? Like, who cares? Like she kind of starts protesting that this is just a terrible job. And then he that's when he turns on like the full tilt. Like it is a terrible job. The worst job that I could imagine in this office. And it's your responsibility. Like he just kind of really puts all of this on her. And that's where the crazy, like tilted back eyebrows, whites of his eyes screen cap comes from. Yes. Like, which is just such amazing. (laughs) And even like the, uh, like, the big thing, like, before I even watched this movie for the first time, I knew, like, that was already a meme, and so was the ABCs were uh, already a meme. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. like, the ABCs, like, it, you like you kind of get sent to this movie, be like, how does this come up naturally? But it's like, no, he's, like, angry in his, like, I therapy session. I actually love that, that scene now, like, the dialogue of that scene, because, like, it, it's just this, like, tantrum he's having. Yeah. And it ends with, like, dialogue that rang super true. It's just like, I have never misfiled a single thing. <laughs> like he just kind of it's like i i that's me no, no, like, but I, like i'm very proud of my filing and yeah, i no, but, don't get it wrong but when i find a misfiled thing it's like what are you guys doing 
how did you do this? But here's the thing. It's two numbers like, for us, you know. But, yeah. So he does the ABCs, and then every single pout mo- movement he does, everything, like, every line, it's curled with a big pout. Like, huh, Arm huh, gestures. Huh. And... Like, he's just like, but Nathan, the point of the, that whole entire thing is that he has made mistakes. Just like you have made mistakes. Oh, he's obsessive. Yeah, like, he's projecting stuff, too. Yes. Like, he's assuming that whatever, he's perfect. His job is just nagging people, it seems. Like, he does nothing in his office other than, like, yell at Alva to oh, do stuff for him. He's yeah. a boss, man. That's what they do. And eat pistachios. Yeah. But, yeah. I actually love the that the therapy office just has this giant window. Like, it's just so, like, it just gives it this like ties it to the city in this yeah. way like there's scenes where he's standing on the sill of this window and it just i don't know it just makes the space really big mm-hmm. <laughs> when he's waving around the well it's not really happening but when he has the stake in his hand yes and he like the full arm gestures on the windowsill stake awesome. which is just a giant piece of pallet yeah he just found a wooden pallet on the street and he ripped off this like three foot long chunk of it to Put, try to put to and his it, own chest. Yeah, it seemed like he was like thinking about breaking it down further, and then just couldn't figure it out, and then just has it. <laughs> and then he's approaching random New Yorkers and asking them to kill him, which I guess was real, like not scripted with the other people around. Yeah, which is part of the like manic energy of this of it not being union. Like it's just like actual chaos in the streets. Like we're just running around the streets. With a camera and Nicolas Cage and getting reactions. Yeah, like I was reading that it was a long lens scenes and all those scenes. Like they just, they set up a camera far away so people would just react in the street to a crazy guy running down it. Yeah. And so this is where you get like, <laughs> this is where you get the things like the wrecking the apartment. Like where Nick Cage just went around and wrecked a real apartment. Yeah. Like they set up which two like, cameras and they did it in one take. It sort of struck me when he kicked that lamp and that just looked so real. Like yeah. it's like, oh, that's real electricity. That that like broke. Oh, it was, and for me, it was when he the flipped glass the, tape, table. the glass table. Yeah, it's I was like, just like oh, he could oh. get so hurt. Well, the director, I guess I didn't watch yeah. the commentary because I, I have the DVD, but I didn't listen to the commentary. But I, I read a, a note that the director was like, "Yeah, this was really bad decision making on my part to let Nick do these things." But hey, yeah, like it worked out. I guess he like in, no insurance craziness. Like he didn't get hurt, but he yeah. easily could have. He's like smashing mirrors and like ripping stuff off of like win- shelves and whatever. I could, yeah, I could see that going wrong. Well, this is the same with, like, when you get him eating cockroaches, right? Like, what is that about? Yeah, we need to, like, that scene's, uh, sure, Renfield, I think it is. Yes, like, the minion of Dracula often, like, gets to this point where he's eating bugs and things. But I guess Nick really pushed for this to happen. Like, it was supposed to be a raw egg. egg. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, no, dude, it would, like, shock people if it was a cockroach. And I guess it did. But I was I was immediately like, was that that looked real? Like, there's no way that's not a real cockroach. Yeah. Because it was squiggling around in his hand, and I I know that's not an animatronic. They couldn't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> so and he apparently, had to do it three yeah. times. And I guess so Nick, three cockroaches died. They guess like they got in trouble still with Peter. Yeah, it screwed up though. Like, why would you? His retort was just like, "Hey, you haven't used a can of raid in your house." Here's the thing, like. His retort is a pretty solid retort because, like, in New York City, rent like cockroaches is, are like considered to be full on vermin. Like, they're considered to be pests. Just pests. Yeah, yeah like they're not. You're allowed to kill them on mass because there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. So him eating three, like at least he's eating them, like not just throwing <laughs> them away. 
sure it it was still a bit jarring though oh I, for I sure kind of not believe but like just I shows about you that somehow shows you his like actual commitment to like this version of method acting that he really latches on to like this is like the first time we really get that like um the shaman what's it called neo shamanism yeah or whatever. the neo shamanism yeah. that he takes on to his acting with like this like this is the first real moment like i mean we've seen hints of it so far like he did a weird voice and peggy sue got married um he has like the moonstruck. one hand in moonstruck yeah moonstruck yeah. he has a wood hand he tries to like always make sure it's the center of the scene like all these things he's trying to do in movies but this is the first time we get like really over the top cage and then next year after this we get like wilded heart cage which is another version of it so like but this is him nick like really figuring out who he is as an actor and really mm-hmm. playing with his celebrity which i really appreciate because this didn't like these few years really did damage his career like he kind of like stopped becoming I mean, a leading man like he was on the on upward trajectory and then like because of moonstruck and then he did this he did wilded heart this and wilded heart both debuted at cons but nobody obviously cared about them. Mm-hmm. And then, like, even same year that Wilder Heart came out, Firebirds was supposed to be a big, like, action set piece for him to become an action star, but nobody liked it. We're going to be talking about that next week. But, there was uh, some, like, bit on Wikipedia or something about his agent saying, like, this is a bad move after Moonstruck. And then it's just like, wow. Like, it's well, what especially he wants because, to do kind so, of thing. I don't know how much of these things are true. Because, like, you, you, Nathan, you have an IMDb account, right? Yeah. So you can just go on and write anything you want as trivia. I think mine, I'm not a pro member, so I'd actually have to like submit it. Oh, and sure. someone would in theory have to like, but if you pay to become that, a pro member, you can then just, you can just whatever. tell it that this yeah. was true. And I've read yeah. actual like complete horse poop on <laughs> IMDb before, like completely Absolutely. just like, this is inaccurate, completely inaccurate, but people just can wear whatever they want. And, yeah. uh, so it's always you have to always take like IMDb trivia with like a, a like grain of salt, but like they said that the writer of this, the guy who wrote Forty Eight Hours as well, was going to direct this movie and then he dropped a- out after hours. But yeah, yeah, Sorry, Joseph Minion, yeah, he was going to write and then he dropped out, which like scared Cage away from it for a minute, but then he still ma- maintained interest in it, I guess, yeah. and got in there. So, so question and, for you? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no! It's just that Beerman lets him go crazy. Yeah, like, Beerman. I, I think him for that. Like, I don't know what that movie would look like without Beerman, type of thing. Like, if if someone's like, "No, I have a vision. You need to yes. settle down and like, stick to the script." Nick, it's like that was way more exciting than anything I had on the table. So, go like for this it. movie definitely ruined Beerman's career because like he mm-hmm. went on to do nothing. This is like the really only chance he had at like something. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate, but like I'm kind of glad he let it happen because this movie does exist. And I, another director might have told Nick to do what he they want, you know, not what he wants. Like this is too crazy. I don't want that. Yeah. It's like no, dude. Like Francis, go. Francis almost fired his own nephew, like Nick Cage, off of Peggy Sue got married when he cho- chose to change his voice. Mm. Right? Like Nick was like, if, or was it the teeth decision? No, it was the voice. He didn't like the voice. Okay. Yeah. Um. But anyways, uh, so this IMDb trivia, and I noticed you have it in the question page too. This is the first time I've really, like, seen a connection or thought of a connection between this and American Psycho. Mm-hmm. I read, like, in the trivia, it was, like, that Christian Bale based the his character upon Nick Cage. I don't believe that in the slightest. Well, that's the weird thing, because, honestly, it's, it's weird timing, because, like, a few days ago, uh, I found out that American Psycho, the book, was published, like, almost exactly 30 years ago. 
okay. like as of right now. Yeah. Um, and it so it was just in my mind, in the back of my mind was that that whole thing. It was and like then, somebody like the you're, you're talking about what's who wrote oh. Brady Brett Easton Ellis or whatever. Yeah, he like, wrote, I was just Ellis thinking wrote about when this was watching. published, and then watching this movie and be like, wait, this was like two years before that book came out. The hidden style to Men in Black. Brett Easton Ellis watched this movie and went, oh shit, and went home and like wrote this thing. But like, and that's how we got writing... American Psycho. Yes, but okay, but like. <laughs> American Psycho. Is, I'm, is I'm about, joking. No, I know, I yeah. know, but like this is this is something that somebody said. Like somebody said, Christian Bale made like like based looked Patrick at this Bateman. performance of Peter Lowe and yeah. like incorporated some of that into Patrick Bateman. Yeah. And I was like, I don't see how Patrick Bateman, like Patrick Bateman, is a psychopath sociopath, whereas yeah. clearly Peter Lowe is just a man on the brink of insanity. Like just mm-hmm. like he's having like hallucinations and, and yes. audio hallucinations and like everything he's, and like perhaps it's like it's like a frantic episode of some kind well it's like comparing a psychopath to a so to a but it's like comparing a psychopath to a schizophrenic like you can't compare those two things yeah that's what i'm saying so i don't it's really not that fair to make those comparisons especially because like the thing about patrick bateman is his preciseness his like meticulousness his uh ocd which none of those things are present with peter Lowe. well i feel like that movie anyway i i tried reading the book and i just found it completely nauseating being in patrick bateman's head oh like, i don't I seriously couldn't read it yeah. yeah uh but there's kind of like that that story and the way it's directed and everything plays with the thing i'm saying this movie kind of doesn't play with much which is the like is this happening is this not happening yeah like obviously the atm isn't really asking him to put a cat in it but like did he grab a cat and try that or like there's stuff where like that room is super cleaned up after he just murdered a person in it in his mind so did that happen like stuff like that uh so i i don't know there's like a certain over-the-top element to patrick bateman that i see peter lowe being in that same like zone so i could see it but it's it's one of those like imdb trivia things that's just like i have an idea in my head and I think it's true, so I'm going to tell the internet that it's true kind of thing. Like, I could see that being what happened. I'd, I'd need to hear it from Christian Bale's mouth saying, like, I thought this movie was cool and I channeled some of that. Yes. Like, I, I would I would have to have that confirmation to, like, really say that happened. You know? No, I, I totally agree with you on that point. Like, I think there's just not enough. Like, the only big similarities, they're, they're working men. They're, in, yeah, they're, like, New York elite business class. In the dudes. 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Who lose their minds in some way. In some way. But like, yeah. So that's the, that's the only thing. Like, but like, yeah, like you said, man, Ellis and Paolo and Chuck, I, I read, tried reading Fight Club after Fight Club came out and I just couldn't, couldn't get my headspace into it. I've, I, yeah. Chuck, pl- Planiac? Planiac. Yeah. Fight Club, I was able to read and like a couple others, but there's some that are just like, yeah, I, don't, I just don't want to be here. <laughs> I don't want to read this. <laughs> like it, it gets, it gets a little grimy. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, no, I, I I don't know. I guess I just see I I did see strands of similarities between the two, but they're different. You know, maybe they're both character studies or something, but mm-hmm. they're not really going in the same direction. No, not but, at all. So I just yeah. found that fascinating because, like, also, like I love Christian Bale. I think he is a good actor, but he is a different type of actor than Nick Cage. He's very straightforward mm-hmm. of an actor. Like he's kind of got that like. He's good in the Robert I, De Niro's good way, but it's like in that one way that Robert De Niro's good. I'd wonder if they're both part of the method school, though. Yeah, like well, Christian Bale is definitely part of the method school. Yeah, 
yeah, but I guess he never evolved it into the neo shamanism or anything. <laughs> I I do like that this movie kind of like points right at like there's the mimes we talked about, but there's yeah. also just a moment where he's just watching Nosferatu on TV. Yes, like it's just like we get to see I Max am Shrek. getting my mannerisms from Max Shrek. Yes, and like my ideas of what a vampire like deals with from this movie that I'm watching on TV. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's it's kind of direct. But yeah, it, for it sure. leads to a bunch of these like reactions that he has, like or or stuff he sets up for his vampire lair. Like I loved his couch coffin. Like yeah. it's like you don't have a coffin, so you just flip your couch over and like set up some pillows and stuff, and then yeah. you can just like and the the foley on it is so like creaky wooden, like <laughs> Well, they want to get that, that like we're kinda in Peter's head at those points and like it, that's what he would hear. That's what a coffin yeah. closing sounds like, right? And one of my favorites is just the way the music like complements this moment where he comes around a corner and it's like sunrise and it's just the most dramatic swell of music. And he's like, ah, and the sun is shining right into the camera. And it's just like nothing is happening to him. Like it's just he's completely his, convinced of it. Yeah. He saw a scene where Max Shrek like was vaporized by a sunbeam. So he's like getting into it or something. Yeah. But it's it's not it's not happening no no it's great it is it is great Uh, to make a comment on like clearly christian bale and robert de niro daniel day lewis they're basing their method upon upon like real people like they're like i want to get into the headspace of this what this real person would be like like bill the butcher or um patrick bateman or or, all the like all the gangsters um i'm gonna get my headspace or i I should actually say uh cade cape fear what's the cape fear guy Oh, uh, Max Katie. Max Katie. Like I want to yeah. like, they want to get their headspace into these people while they're in the movie. So they like, kind of like commit themselves to always being in that headspace. Nick like never commits himself to being in like a real person's headspace. He always like finds a way to make this really fake, hilarious over the top person. And then he keeps in that headspace. I think that's the difference mm-hmm. between their method. Acting. Like he invents like, a headspace yes. to be in. Yeah. Like he doesn't like, he's oh, not trying even, to Yeah, you're right. Emulate even, real people. even, even early, just like ways he's hitting lines, like "Am I getting through to you, Alva?" and he like points real wild in his yeah. office. It's just like, wow, like that would read so flat on the page, and it's just like magic <laughs> right now. Well, and like we get a lot of Nick Cage points. Like that's because famously the next year is Wild at Heart when he has that great point scene on the, the jacket or uh, yeah, like on the steps to oh. the like ballroom or theater or something like that, and he's just like bloodied up and he's just pointing up to the top of the stairs at the person he's angry with type of thing so mm-hmm. i need to watch wild at heart again why don't we have we have wild at heart on a different list right uh, i don't know if it is right now but no i meant I like mean... we remember we made up two lists for nicholas cage oh sure i'm sure it's on our like plans vague plans for the next session of nick cage movies yes it but is. uh yeah okay we were trying to balance the the season so that it's not like all of his greatest hits in the first one. <laughs> so yeah, we're spreading right. them out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah. Or um, oh, we might have actually. It's not even there. Sorry. It might be we were saving it for a David Lynch season. We were gonna do. That would be tough. Like or, well, it would or be, no, it would fundamentally no, have never to look mind. different. We're not gonna. We're not going to rank a David like a David uh, Lynch season. I guess we could though. We could, based upon like it'd be purely based upon like what our likes are. 
Sure. Like it wouldn't even or be what? like this is the better movie. It just have to be oh this is a movie I like, and we'd have to be very like would they would even argue with each other because it'd have to be like so personal. I guess so. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I'm just looking over like there's a scene where he bites a pillow. I don't yeah. know if he's like practicing like strengthening his jaws well, or something. So when babies teeth, mm-hmm. they bite onto things. Yeah. So he's teething in his head because he's growing his vampire fangs. In his head. Like, there's there's some good scenes of him just, like, lying down in some crazy posture. And, like, like he gets a phone call where he's basically being, like, dumped by Jackie. Yeah. Like, and she's just cursing him out for, like, just leaving this art gallery while he was there. And just, like, the look on his face and what he says after he hears this phone message and just how put out he is something about it was just perfect yeah. <laughs> like i'm just like Ugh, a phone call <laughs> like he's just so done yeah uh oh there was another like oh yeah no he gets a phone call and then just rips the phone out of the wall and throws it like i was just like i yeah sometimes you so, just don't want to talk to anybody <laughs> uh my favorite scene this time around in nick cage craziness that like i completely forgot about was mm-hmm. at the end of the movie he's running around the streets with the stake in his hand And all of a sudden we cut to the next day. He's in his therapist's office talking to his therapist. How he doesn't want to like, he doesn't need therapy anymore because he's going to try a new type of therapy, which which is called love. And then in walks in his like fiance and the whole time he's carrying his giant steak with him still. Mm -hmm. And then it cuts back and forth between him and his therapist's office talking to his therapist about how he like almost raped a girl and how he killed somebody. And his therapist is like completely wiping it away. Like, do you know how many people die in New York city? Do you think everyone, the world's going to stop because you killed somebody? Anyways, we cut to Nick cage, cross-eyed full crazy morning of, after killing this girl, talking to like a fence, like, like a, a wall, a corner of a building. Yeah. Or a corner something. Of a building. He's just talking and he's like, just having this conversation in his head, but that's it's the cut to those scenes when he's talking and reading the there's, same. There's actually like some genuinely great comic cuts oh, in that in that scene. 100%. Like they're like he's introduced to this woman Sharon who's just perfect for him and everything, and then like she's talking about all of her interests, and then he's like, "Wow, that's that's all of the things that I like." What do you <laughs> think of this? And then like it's like there's this moment where he's just he's got this ring of blood around his face <laughs> yeah. and he's holding the stake and he just kind of like. <laughs> like he just agrees or something to something she just said no, no, i appreciate because like no one when he when it's... we cut back to the therapy room and he kind of like before i go i should let you know that i did murder a girl and then the therapist is like do you know how many people but her face his fiance's face is just like an eye roll she's like oh, oh. <laughs> that old thing what a oh silly peter piece. Yeah, it's just like his own, like, he's just rationalizing stuff to oh, himself. It's, such, but it's crazy these... self-rationalization, but that's, it's just a perfectly done scene of, like, they could have done that really, like, different, and they didn't. And then, they made and that then there's, like, an extended shot of him just walking down the street with Sharon, who isn't there, and yep. he's just, like, talking to nobody, and mm-hmm. there's, like, bystanders just walking past him. It's it's some great stuff, yeah. So, the thing that I forgot about this movie, completely forgot yeah. Is how it ended. Like, I legit forget how this movie ends every single time. And it's just like, so the cousin of Alva finds brother, out that... brother, I think. Brother? Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, finds out that she got, like, like attacked by uh, Nick Cage's character and tracks him down to his place. Nick Cage is in full stupor the morning after he kills this girl. He's, walk- he's walking up. He breaks into his house. Nick Cage is in his coffin with his stake. The guy opens up his 
couch coffin. Son comes down. Nick Cage freaking out, takes this the steak and tries to puts it into his own chest. And this guy who is clearly just going to beat him up rams it through his chest. And I'm yeah. like, that is a that's a choice. Okay, all right. We're gonna <laughs> like he had a tire iron. He was ready to work him, him over some. Yeah. But then yeah, he just leans on the stake and then runs away. And yeah. then Nick Cage dies, a vampire, I guess. Yes. And then like he sees a vision of Jennifer Beals like talking to him, yeah. and as he dies, and that's that's Vampire's Kiss. That's how that's how it goes out. That is Vampire's Kiss. It is uh, a piece of high art for anybody out there that wants to watch some high art. Uh, an acting masterclass of somebody who is like literally can read a script like that script, which is probably very straightforward. Even like Protocol in New Orleans, straightforward. And find some way to elevate it beyond itself to mm-hmm. levels which, like, there has been, like, so one thing I can't forgive other actors that are amazing. Like, I love Robert De Niro uh, a lot. But he had that whole 2000s career where he was in some really garbage films. Like, really garbage films. Like, I'm he, trying to think what kicked it off. But, yeah, it's, it's like, like 99 minutes. to, like... 2010 oh it was him doing comedies i think is what what really kicked him off and like analyze this and meet the parents like really what's that one with eddie murphy showtime showtime yeah but then he started doing like like after that he started to do like these short run like so he did these like like al pacino is like right right with him and they did a movie together it's a righteous kill yeah which is so forgivable like unforgivably horrible because it was like this is the first time these two men have acted together since the 15 minutes they've been on screen with each other in heat and everybody was anticipation of it like irishmen should have been the next time that they acted together right but, but there's instead this there's movie. this like crappy little mystery thing yeah that's anyways in there, yeah and robert de niro is clearly like phoning it in the entire time he's doing all these movies they're paycheck films like they're what bruce willis is doing right now it's what john travolta is doing right now they're paycheck films um, mm-hmm. And Nick Cage has a slew of those too, but at least Nick Cage can take those paycheck films and make choices at times to like completely elevate them. Like Wicker mm-hmm. Man, I don't think it was a paycheck film. I think it was him wanting to work with Neil LeBute and knew that he was in this like garbage film and mm-hmm. chose to do what he wanted to do with it. This is another one of those movies where he saw this as a great opportunity. Like, here's like this low budget, nobody's paying attention to us movie with an okay script. I'm going to do what I want with it. Mm-hmm. And then he finds a way to elevate it. Like, we wouldn't be talking about Vampire's Kiss to this day if Nick Cage was n- never in it. Yeah, that was something I was thinking about. Because like, as I revisited the page, like the IMDb page for just studying up on it again, I was like, I wonder if I, if I wonder what rank I gave this when I first watched it. And it was a 10. <laughs> and I kind of had to think about it because I was like, I think on its own merits, this might actually be okay. Like it might be a seven. Sure. But it's like innumerably like escalated by mm-hmm. the amazing performance in it. Yeah. Like it's still the author of After Hours and there's still some like cool stuff going on. Oh, a hundred percent. I really do like the narrative when it comes to Elva and what's happening to her in the movie. But this yeah. would be, like you said, this would be like a okay, 6.5 to curio. seven. Like yeah. it would be like where it's a six point eight, and you're like, oh, there are some really great six point eight movies on IMDb, but there's some really mm-hmm. bad ones too. Maybe we should check this out. But because Nick Cage is in it, this is something that I'm going to be watching for the rest of my life. Which for some people is a uh, like just a totally disgusting, overacting, like just whatever. Because it's got a six on IMDb right now. Yeah, it's and like, critics on, hated this. This movie. is masterful stuff. Critics critics but... hated this movie when it came out. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like it's all the good reviews I think on Metacritic are like post film, like post uh, it not theatrical, like, p- not 1989 reviews. These yeah. are like looking back on it now with yes, fondness because you thing. saw the YouTube video of Nick Cage yeah. freaking out or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, I don't know. It's it's just actually a unique performance like i know it's like channeling silent acting and all this stuff but like in this crazy combination of things like there are moments that are just like i did not expect that to happen i think when i was first watching it it was the jump up on the desk scene like just caught me off guard like i wouldn't have expected that to happen exactly and then from there on it's just like who knows what he's gonna do or what he's gonna say or what's gonna happen no 100 percent. yeah like, that's what I mean. Like, it's – he takes all these simple scenes because, like, the words he's saying to her in the – I'm going to give – I wouldn't give this job to anybody else scene where he has the meme eyes. The mm-hmm. words he's saying to her is just, like, a straightforward, like, boss just being a dick. Like, hey, like, you're the low man on the podium pill. I'm going to give this job to you. Even if somebody was a little bit higher than you, I'm still going to get this job to you. But it's mm-hmm. his eyes that, like, you forget completely about the dialogue because the way he's looking at you through his eyes is, like, that's stealing the whole scene away. Right. And I, I do love the directing decision, too, to, like, kind of start going into his face as the as yes. it flares more and more. Like, and he tries like, to oh, get wow, his eyes bigger and bigger and bigger. And yeah. 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 It's kind of great. Uh, so, great. yeah, I, I'm trying to think of, do you have another thing that you want to go over before we kind of dive into MVPs and question of the week? Not really. I, th- I think I touched on all the all the main ones um, that yeah, I had it. written down. So, yeah. So you read, so it's my MVP first? Yeah, because you went right. first last time. Okay, so yeah. uh, my MVP for this one was like, it was kind of hard. I was trying to figure it out. I was going back and forth. I'm going to give you my runner up for MVP and why. But well, we the can't... MVP, as we've established in prior, the the MVP is obviously yes. Nicolas Cage. Sorry, yes. I the runner up like... MVP is who we're choosing. <laughs> so, so you're I'm saying the runner give... runner up. <laughs> yeah. The second runner give up. You my, my, I'm going to first give you my third place. Which is Robert Bierman because I was like, this guy is yeah. – here's the guy who let loose Nick Cage and allowed him to do the things. But I'm not convinced because we don't know very much about Robert of his other work that like – Like, like he did some like, TV stuff. There was some other movie in like the yeah, mid-90s like he, he that I was looking at. Yeah, he has credits but it's just I've never seen anything else. Is it yeah. like – is it just that he allowed Nick Cage to like run around on set and that's that's a cool choice mm-hmm. or whatever? Or Nick Cage had like a – uh, one of his clauses was like, I can do whatever I want in his contract. But regardless, I was like, I was going to give it to him, but I gave it to Werner for the same reason on uh, last week's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and Werner being like a great filmmaker too on his own, in his own right. Oh yeah. Like, like, I mean, sense. he brings in his own, like the animals and yes. stuff. Like he's hitting some of his notes in there that yeah, exactly. bring it up. Yeah. So for me this time around, it's going to be uh, Alva Maria Conchita Alonso. Just Amazing. because two two in a row, we have the same runner-up. Oh, good job. Yeah, Great. I chose the same person. Yeah, she's just she's honestly elevating this movie because like like from the other perspective. Like I've always like I said, this is the first time I really watched the movie from anyone else's perspective. I kind of was just paying attention to Nick in the past. This time it's I was hard watching... not to <laughs> fixate on him. Exactly, yeah, he's, he's drawing a lot of attention. But, this is yeah. the first time where I really kind of like truly sympathized, paid attention to. And, like, felt that there's a whole nother movie hidden behind Nick Cage's performance that is, like, mm-hmm. deeply scary and hor- and hor- horrific. And it's her mm-hmm. story. And the movie doesn't – I don't think the movie – what's kind of cool about this movie is, like, it doesn't just, like, allow Nick Cage to completely run away with the movie, even though he is a great distraction that kind of can cause you to forget about the rest of the film. 
there's like little shots of just her on the subway being scared right and there's little shots oh of her yeah like there's a guy mom. busking on the subway yeah. and she's got a gun in her purse and you know that but then she just kind of gives some quarters yeah. over or whatever and but yeah like she's talking to her mom and her mom's like ridiculing her because they have a job she oh. has a job so she has to go get her job i i did i did want to bring that up too yeah like i i was really sad with her mom kind of chewing her out for her decision to like take care of herself it's just like what are you doing everybody hates their job you need to go to work yeah. And it's just like, this is terrible. Like she's, terrible. she's basically saying like, I'm, I'm being like harassed at work and no one's doing anything. And her mom is like, get, get, get your ass on the train, get, get down to the yeah. office. And it's like, this is terrible. And so if this yeah. movie was purely just about Nick Cage going crazy, we wouldn't have these scenes to have like a good supporting horror victim. Like there needs to be a victim we care about to this vampire. And I put vampire in quotations, obviously. Right. Um, and I thought that she is a good job. The movie does a good job reminding us throughout that there, even though this is like, there's a crazy person and his comedy, like his crazy hijinks are over the top and crazy. There's still a real person that is in his path that he is like this crazy to us, like detached from this situation is fun, hilarious, over the top, crazy. But to this person in this narrative, this is a terrifying situation. She's witnessing somebody lose Mm -hmm. their mind in front of her and she's going to be a victim to him type of thing. Yeah, so, I thought she was great. I I agree. Yeah, I also chose her. It's weird. We we hadn't had that happen Not like all. ever until this batch. It's just like you know what this person, and it's happened twice now in a row. But uh, yeah, I I really thought her part of the story, like I said, like lets Nick bounce higher, and also just kind of keeps the movie like in a real place. And and yeah, that scene on the train kind of brings in some of that like urban terror or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like. Uh, I, again, I don't know if it's like negative associations or something. Like last week, I was saying like I'm really glad it's New Orleans instead of New York. This movie had to be New York. Yes. Something about how vast New York is, and like it opens with like this kind of silhouette of the city, and then like starts zooming in as morning happens, and there's more and more people everywhere. And those clubs are bumping. There's like hundreds of people there. Yeah, yeah. You know? Which is like we don't typically what we see is like typical clubs and films are like like not nearly as real life filled up. Like there's way too much room. There's like the music's not that loud. So you can still hear everybody quietly and Mm -hmm. like everyone can talk at a normal level. You still see Nick and his plastic teeth teeth amongst the hundreds of people, but it's like, no, this is like, he's in a real concert or something. Like there's, there's a certain urban, like lost in the crowd kind of thing going on. And New York helps make that strange and tragic in its own way. So yeah. But so, uh, yeah, Maria Conchita Alonso, she's our runner-up MVP yes. for Vampire's Kiss. Um, oh yeah, so uh, we have an email and a Twitter and stuff if you want to ask us questions, but we've also just been asking each other questions because it's kind of fun, and it gives a little bit of a different tone right at the end of the episode. Uh, the one I brought to the table today, uh, <laughs> kind of coming off of my intro where I was very fond about the good old days of video stores. I kind of yeah. want to like get back down to earth a little bit on some of that because I'm sure it wasn't all as great as I remember. What was your least favorite part of the video store jobs that oh, you had? Man. Cool. Cause I have a couple thoughts, but one main one for me. Well, I have a couple but thoughts yeah. too, right off the bat, like right off the bat, like the first thing that popped in my head wasn't even like a task because there are tasks that I didn't like. There's a task that we all didn't love. Like nobody liked opening at a video store and having to deal with the returns. 
Because at least oh. at Blockbuster, like I worked at one of the busier Blockbusters in Alberta, and it was just like overwhelmed, like it was o- like overfilled, like, like overflowing. And so we had to like just sort pile. it before we could start scanning, and we had to scan it by a certain time, or else people would get late fees. So we just had like this time window in which we had to get this done, or uh-huh. else it would, uh, and then we had to reshelve it because a bunch of new stuff would be in there. Anyways, um, that would be one. But the, honestly, the first thing that came to my head was that your manager was always just like another part-time or like, like not trained employee. So you were always being managed by people that didn't have great people skills. Mm. And it just kind of like, it was like, like it's a classic trope of movies where you see like, Oh, your manager's like maybe a year younger than you, maybe the same age as you, maybe a year older than you, but like, they're just like, just like you, but they have to be your manager. And when you're late, they have to like, they think in their head, oh, I have to give them a hard time, but they give you too hard of a time because they're just a kid still too. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying to think. It was super weird because I got hired by like one guy who was like decades older than me, but he was managing like two different stores. And like the day after I started, he, like it was like, oh, I can no longer handle multiple stores. Like I have to really focus on this other store. So he was just like gone and I never saw him again. This is Blockbuster or Rogers? This was Rogers. Okay. Uh, so then, yes, we did get like a young manager who it was kind of like their first time managing and stuff. I don't know if they were really trying to be hard on anybody, but there's like some sort of living up to expectations of what that means. And well, so we also had some, we had some cool assistant managers that yeah. I was working with. More. I've also had all of my favorite managers were assistant managers because they didn't have the heavy that wears the crown thing. Like they were just like the, I don't have to deal with it type of attitudes. Like, yeah. Oh, any like, yeah, real go problems put on space jam. We don't yeah. need to have these trailers on anymore. Yeah. Like, or it's it, like it's lighter. They don't have to yeah. deal with like the real problems as the manager that did. Uh, the one that like keeps coming to my brain is like, uh, this was like when I was in my early twenties, I was working at HMV and yeah. we had this receiver in the back who was just the worst. Like he was angry all the time. He hated his life. He hated his job. And he just made every, you just had to stay like the rule was the unspoken rules to stay out of his way. But where he put stuff for us to take out, like stock that he's processing was in his way. And so there's this one day <laughs> I was like, maybe like less than a month into the job, learning how to do this job, all these things. He like, I did something that really pissed him off and he ripped me a new one, like in the back room of this HMV and made me Man. feel so little and so small. He's maybe a year older than me. Um, and I just went to my like manager. His, his eyes flared and he, yeah, like he was, so, was just... so rude, so angry, swearing at me, all these things. And I just went to my yeah. manager and I was like, here's the thing. I'm I'm at the same level as him. Yes, he's like here longer than me, but he has no right yelling at me. If, he, if I messed up, he's supposed to go to you. You're supposed to come to me. I This is not okay. Like it's not okay for him to be yelling at people. Anyways, yeah. my manager being like, like trusted – high end like he was like one of the best managed like one of the best manager hmv in the country obviously hmv went out of business so therefore you can take that as you will like he, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah he his solution was i'm too scared of that guy so i'm just gonna get ryan a gift card to say sorry and he walked back out and he gave <laughs> me a ten dollar hmv gift card and he said sorry that won't ever happen again and then it happened all the time. Like, because he never once went <laughs> and talked like, to the back. back it's not going to happen again. Like, yeah, I get a like, gift card every happened. time. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, okay. So I just, it's just one of those things where like, it's, it, they're literally just people that get jobs in the customer service industry. And then they just work their way up the system. But then like, nobody really like does 
like it's either you're just a natural person with people or you're not a natural person with people. And I worked with both as managers. Like some managers were great people persons and everyone loved them and got along with them. And some were just like, you're just a big grump. Like you're just a giant grump. Mm. Like, you're just really grumpy all the time. So anyways, that was yeah. the first thing that came to my head. Do you have like, did you have tasks I, in mind? It was two tasks really. Uh, one is more minor, but it was just a constant nag that would just be like, Oh, this is just retail was like upselling at the end of a thing yeah. of just yeah. like, all right, we got this snack combo going on. You're going to have to sell two pops for $3 or whatever. And it's just like, if they want pop, they'll buy pop. If they want chips, they'll buy chips. Like, yeah. why do I have to nag people to eat badly? Like right at the end of this, <laughs> you know, like they're renting a couple movies. That's great. Or like, Hey, you already got two movies here, but if you get three, it's three for nine dollars. Yeah, and you so... have to send them back out. Like they literally in oh, that situation. I kind of just wanted to watch these two movies, but I guess I could. Do you have any recommendations? And then I'd be like, Oh, dude, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you it's... like? And then whatever they they have a recommendation, I'm like, I don't know. What do you like? Because what you like might be because I could lead like. you way wrong. I could just yeah. be like, Yeah, you got to check out Spring Breakers or something. And they're not gonna like it. <laughs> no, <laughs> that was, was after was... my time. Yeah, I was about to say. But I, I was got, like, that was I after got your time. chewed out for recommending that, like just idly to coworkers and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I watched that. That was terrible. Like, oh like, yeah you're not me so okay sorry i won't uh to be fair in our small circle of people we you. showed that you and i showed that to friends and Remember? it went well and it went well were you not there okay. when we showed it to friends like i think i watched it with a few friends at a friend's house and we watched a big screen I, I saw it like the primary primary shared experience was just seeing it in theaters okay but, yeah. anyways uh no like so for my big one like when i was at blockbuster so this is like circa 2003 we had mm-hmm. this like six step like guide sticker we had to have on top of our computer screen and it, it was like what you had to do in certain orders and one of the uh. steps was you have to sell them either like the combo pack or this like they always blockbuster always had and they actually were pretty good at one point they're really good coupon packs and then later points became really bad it was like 20 mm. bucks and you had like in it was like a coupon for free movie, a bunch of buy one, two one, two for ones and all this stuff. And you would say like, oh, like you're already spending 15 bucks for four bucks more. You can get this thing and you'll get all this stuff for free. But then you'll have coupons right. for later. And for a while, it was like an actually an easy upsell because it was a good deal. But then the second time they brought it out, it was way worse of a deal, like way mm. worse of a deal. And it was way harder to sell because it was like, this isn't a deal. Like you can't. You're, I'm literally tricking this employee like to get you, something. Like I would have to buy stuff I would never buy. In well, order it was like to this. What, like some of the coupons were like only valid Sunday to Thursday, and I was like, people come Friday, Saturday to the video store. Like that's the day they came. <laughs> Getting ready for the weekend. Yeah, Why would and they it was come like on this day? rent rent three and get one free. And I'm like, who? Most people don't walk out with four movies. Like that's not what people do. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, my least though. All of that being said, my least favorite upsell was at movie gallery. Which is just the worst man company. Like if you're, if anyone's in the <laughs> states listening to this, Movie Gallery was probably the worst chain I've ever worked for, and I loved Blockbuster, loved VHQ. Movie Gallery was just a nightmare. But mm. uh, they had these packs, like these sheets of ten, just free movie coupons. You can use it for new stuff or old stuff. Just free movie coupons. It cost you uh, forty dollars to buy it. This sheet of ten, mm. which only right. saves you a dollar per movie. But you would, somebody would walk up and buy one film, a $5 new rental, and you had to try to upsell them $35 for 10 free coupons for future purchases. Yeah. And we had to do it every time. And our manager, oh, man, just really like – it was not even a manager. It was like – it was 
um, Tennessee or Alabama was headquarters, and they tracked us from there and would regularly call us and be like, oh, you're not upselling enough. Yeah, no, it'd definitely be like regional managers and stuff would be the more annoying than your local in terms of that kind of stuff. The thing you this all reminded me of is like at some point Rogers introduced this star rewards program that was like points and stuff that you'd accrue and upselling people on that was initially like pretty good. But then it's like, all right, our regulars have it like we're not going to be able to sell more of these because they have it. So why would a guy who we never see who is just here to do one thing or whatever, why would he want it? Like he wouldn't, but you're supposed to hit those. Like, why aren't these numbers going up still? It's like, cause they have it. Like, what do you want? Like there's only so much growth you can have because we don't have new customers coming in all the time. Like it's once that's on you and your ad campaign Like you need to make Rogers exciting for people. Instead of putting us in this little like shed or whatever that we're in. So my dream, the two story, this is like, Ugh. once I worked at Blockbuster and you got to see this corporate stuff, I was like, oh, this sucks. I don't want this corporate stuff. My dream was always to work at Sundance Video, which was across the street from my house growing up. It was just like mm-hmm. this local place. They didn't run these campaigns. It was just like a dude owns a sh- corner shop of a strip mall and he s- rents movies that he personally owns, essentially. <laughs> because it's yeah. just like one dude who owns it. And I always wanted to work there because like you go there and it was just so chill. Like they had... A crazy assortment of films. They still had VHS tapes for far too long, but it was great because there's so many things that were on VHS that they had that you wouldn't be able to get anywhere on DVD. And yeah, yeah, it was just great. I wanted, I've always wanted to work there. The closest I ever got was VHQ, which was like a very regional Canadian video store. And they just didn't have any rewards programs or anything like that. They're just so chill and easygoing. The the Mm. most corporate thing we did was wear a uniform. Okay. And then VHQ got bought by Movie Gallery and it all changed and it was just the worst. So Yeah. Honestly though, like the number one on my list of stuff I hated doing was phoning uh about late fees. Because oh. it was just like, this is terrible news you have given me to convey to someone. Like it's just like, oh gosh, there's like thirty people and this guy owes one hundred twenty-four dollars. He's not going to come in, <laughs> and if he does, he's going to be so mad. Like you're basically like bringing oh. trouble to the store. So I was just like, yeah, there was no DVD in that case you returned, and now it's been three weeks. So my, you my owe favorite us part, a lot of money. <laughs> this is not a job I disliked at all. I actually quite liked it because a lot of times it was people like I'd have the DVD in front of me, being like, like I'd open up Awesome Powers, and it would be like a Dora video inside, and I would go <laughs> and look at the Dora video, and it, it's not there because they still have it and i'll call them up and be like oh when you return this you return the wrong dvd like no i didn't i'm like yeah i have it in front of me you just rented it like i'm literally looking at it with my eyes and and like no i didn't and i'm like well why don't you just like just go check your dvd player and i'm not gonna check my dvd i was like well but like we're gonna have to charge you for the full price of this movie which is not worth it at this point because it's an old film but it's we paid 20 bucks for it so we're charging like the msrp is like 29.99 for awesome powers like you don't want that yeah so (laughs) they're like fine i'm gonna go check and they go open it and they're like yeah i'll bring it by and i'm like okay cool but like the worst <laughs> See, like part was that little victory of like I have the knowledge. Like why are you questioning it? I don't know about what yeah. Rogers did, but Blockbuster like those hundred and twenty five dollar accounts, like Leafy accounts, mm-hmm. we sent them to collection. So we would have people Ugh. storming into our store with collection reports, being like, uh, "This says I owe you hundreds of dollars. Prove this to yeah. me right now." And we would like open their account and be like, "You like we'll show them like well you signed up for an account and then you rented ten brand new movies and then never returned them." So yeah. and we have several notes here saying like we called you on this date, this date, yes. this date, and you didn't do anything, so we had to send it to collections. And yeah, be like, well, I'm not paying this. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, we're gonna still charge you. 
Like, I do mean, you remember like you had to give a yeah. credit card to get a Blockbuster account or Rogers account? Yeah. Like yeah, teenagers, teenagers were able to access your credit card because I remember punching up accounts and the credit card was not blacked out. It was just right there. I know. Yeah, it's just and like... Nathan, beyond that, we at Blockbuster, it was a credit card or a SIN card. We would say, do you want a credit card or a SIN card? Because some people didn't have credit cards. But we were like, okay, well, we'll take your SIN card instead. Yeah. Like, do you want your identity stolen? Like, it's But this is so before we did identity, like, identity theft was like, this is well before like the the bloom of the internet. The internet was a thing. We all had it, but it was like right. the bloom of the internet wasn't a thing yet. So like these security things weren't figured out oh. yet. And like ancient computer systems, like Rogers almost seemed high tech compared to what Blockbuster was running on when I got yeah. there. I was like, what is this? This is like DOS. Like this is <laughs> basic. I love them <laughs> because they were so straightforward. They were just pure data. There's like, everything was and it ran why so have fast. an interface like what what would that no, but like help if, as, soon yeah. as, as soon as you learn the f the f keys you knew everything you had to sure. learn the f keys and everything i loved the blockbuster system because it was like pure data like and it would, and like hmv was actually next level because they had a very similar system but it broke down everything like you knew when a cd came out you knew when a movie came out you know who wrote it you know what band members were in it all of these mm-hmm. things like like you could just punch up things, and it was just pure data. Like it was just DOS face data. It was great. Mm-hmm. I loved those systems. Yeah. Anyways. But no, I I just found the stress of like you are phoning angry people. You are phoning people and making them angry. Yes. <laughs> like was basically how it boiled down to my head, and I was just like, really hope just someone else took care of those today, and I can just put away some movies and not really worry about it. But occasionally it would just fall to like, yeah, if you got some time, you should probably phone these people, and. I hated it. Like every time it was, it was rough stuff. So, do, so. growing up, actually, I'm going to save this question for another, another week about like okay. growing up. Cause like, I want to really tap in at some point into like, what is our fast, like our fascination with like video store clerks or being a clerk. And I want to know the history of that. So that's the question. There's a How little teaser done. for a question for future weeks. Okay. Uh, but okay. Like I said, uh, if you want to send us a question or some feedback, uh, Ryan at OKVideo.ca or Nathan at OKVideo.ca, those are the emails. Uh, you can also tweet us at OKVideoPodcast. Uh, next week, we're discussing Firebirds. It's like Top Gun with Apache helicopters. Until then, I'm Nathan. And I'm Ryan. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye for now.